All right, well, we are in Acts chapter 10 this morning. Acts chapter 10. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 24, it says this, And He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name, listen to this, among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. What what was to be preached? Repentance and remissions of sins. To whom? Among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Listen to Revelation 5 and verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. For Thou wast slain, of course speaking of Jesus Christ, and has redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred, and tongue, and people, and nations. What redeemed us to God? His blood. Who has been redeemed? Where have they been redeemed out of? Out of every kindred, out of every tongue, and people, and nation. Do you get that? Do you know the gospel has always been to the world, has it not? It has always been to the entire world. The gospel has always been available to everybody. The gospel has always been to the whosoever will. You agree with that? Are we awake? Now come on, some of you shout at a TV at a ball game. Don't be a hypocrite and come in here and be quiet. (laughs) Good night. This is way better than a ball game, all right? We're talking about your eternal salvation. Hello? Yep. Thank you. (laughs) I tell you... You know what quiets people down in, 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 in the preaching? is sin. Some people just need to get sin out of their life and get right with God. And you get happy again about the Word of God, wouldn't you? That's right. Boy, man, I just ruined everything. We hadn't even got started. Just quench the Spirit. Man. No, the gospel has always been to the world. It's always been to the whosoever will. But you know what we are well aware of this morning? We are well aware of that not all of the, uh, all of the world has heard the gospel. Now listen, it begs a very important question, and those that are sincere, and those that, that, that have uh, dealt with people and, and trying to lead people to Christ, and you've heard the questions, and you've heard the opposition to the, to, to the Bible, and these, this question has invariably, it has come up at some point in, in a conversation, and this is the question. Well, if Jesus is the only way to heaven, what about all of those who have never heard the gospel? What about those in India? What about those in, in China? What about those in Russia? What about those in the deepest parts of South America and Africa and, 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 and all over the world of Asia? What, happened, what about those they have never, they don't even know the name of Jesus Christ? What about them? Well, that's a fair question, isn't it? That's absolutely, I, somebody might thought, boy, I never thought about that. That's <laughs> yeah, true. If Jesus is the only way, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, right? What do we do with the rest of the world that hasn't heard the gospel? You know, Acts chapter 10 is going to answer that this morning. This is awesome. Acts chapter 10 is going to answer that. And it's going to begin, we're going to begin with this Italian, this Italian centurion named 
Cornelius. And I think Cornelius is fascinating to me because we see here in chapter 10, Brother, Brother Jim read the first part of this, uh, of this chapter here. But here we're, we are introduced to this Italian man. He is, uh, he's a Roman. He's from Italy. He's a centurion. He has men under him. He is in charge. And we find him here up in the town of Caesarea. We find him here praying to God. No, he's praying to God. He, the Bible says he's treating the Jews, he's treating them well. He's giving alms to them. He, uh, you know, he, he's helping them out. We find him here in Acts chapter 10, he's praying and fasting. Now, now think about this. Where did Cornelius learn this? I mean, obviously, I think, I think there's some obviously things, some things here that he has learned from the Jews in that area. He's learned about the God of, of the Bible. He's learned about, about Jehovah God, the Creator God. And here we come onto the scene, and this, this Roman soldier, this Italian man who knows nothing of Christianity, he would have been brought up in, in the paganism of Rome and all of that. He's, he's, here in Caesarea, he's been stationed there, obviously, by his government. And he's there praying to the God of heaven. And you know what? We find out here is that God notices this, obviously. Now, Cornelius, he's trying to please God. He's trying to please him with good works. He's trying to please God with obedience to what he knows and what the light that he does have. And here in verse 4, we see that God sends an angel to Cornelius. Look at, look at verse, uh, verse 3. Uh, he's praying. Uh, okay. Look at verse 2. A devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. This was a pattern of his life. Praying to God. And in verse 3, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I believe it was, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, one, two. Yeah, about three. I had to use my fingers here. At three o'clock in the afternoon, their day began at six a.m. Okay, so the ninth hour is three p.m. in the three in the afternoon. It says an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And boy, that scared him. <laughs> he looked up. He was afraid. And he said, What is it, Lord? <laughs> and he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. God took notice of this. He's taken note, listen, the angel said, God has taken note of your life and your attempted godliness. The attempted godliness. And you know what this angel goes on to tell him? He says, go find Peter. There's a man named Peter. Go find him and you're going to listen to him. Look at verses 5 and 6. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner. Not Simon Tanner. Tanner's over here. This guy Simon had a job. He was a tanner. He, okay, he tanned hides. Now some of you kids get nervous here. You're like, what kind of a job is that? Does he just like have kids in his house that he beats tar out day and night? No, he tans leather hides of animals. Not when your dad said, I'm going to tan your hide. Remember that? Yeah. yeah, that different tanning here. He actually took care of leather, okay? Used it for clothing and shoes and whatever else they did with it. So this Simon was a tanner, all right? He tanned animal hides. It says, Whose house is by the seaside, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. So this angel comes to Cornelius. He says, Send some men to Joppa. Go find Peter. When Peter comes back, listen to what he has to say. So you know what this guy does who's, 
who's praying to God, who's fasting before God, who's giving alms to the Jews, who's well-liked of the Jews. You know what he does? He just does what he's told. He does what he's told. And so they head on down to Joppa. They find the house of Simon. And the scene is going to change here. We're going to leave the scene of Cornelius. And in verse in chapter 10 here, now we're coming into the scene here with, with uh, Peter. And when the soldiers show up down in Joppa, Peter is on the roof now of Simon's house and he's praying. He's praying. The te- you can read this in our text here. He's praying. What is going on? He's waiting for lunch to be made. He's waiting for food to be made. And he goes up while he's waiting and he begins to pray. And the Bible says that he falls into a, a trance there and um, and he, he is praying there. But, 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 but the question... Before we get to the roof, I, I kind of missed something here, a little bit of a backstory. Let me, let me back up here and explain to you how Peter got here to Joppa. Remember when he was down in Samaria? Remember when Philip went down to Samaria and Peter came down and he established the church there at Samaria? And the Bible says he left there and he went preaching through all the cities round about. Well, Peter had been out preaching, preaching in town after town after town after town. And he ended up being here in the town of Lydda, L-Y-D-D-A, Lydda. And while he was in Lydda, there is another group of believers down at, um, down at Joppa. And there is a certain lady by the name of Tabitha. Or however you want to pronounce it in the Hebrew. You can look it up and see the right pronunciation. But in our Americanized pronunciation, pronunciation or pronunciation, whatever you want to say, it is Tabitha. Her other name was Dorcas. Now, if your, if your other name was Dorcas, who would go by Tabitha? I'd probably go by Tabitha, not Dorcas, because I've been... Never mind. And so, so this, this woman down here in Joppa, she died. Tabitha died. And these, the, the saints down here loved Tabitha. Tabitha, the Bible says, was a disciple. She was saved. She made all sorts of fun things. She was, she, she's like Miss Edith. She, she crocheted all sorts of stuff and people would stand around and show everything that, that she had made for them and they're weeping over it because she made me this and she made me that and she's dead now and this. And so they called for Peter. And so Peter's up at Lydda. He comes down to Joppa. He comes down into this house where, 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 um, where Tabitha was. They have her all cleaned up. They put her up in an upper room. She's dead. She's dead in a doornail. She's stiff as can be. And Peter goes up, prays over her, and she raises from the dead, and he brings her down to them, and they're like, oh, Wow, that's pretty cool. Now, I mean, I, that'd be a shock, right? Yeah, and I, you know what I think? I think she went right back to crocheting hats and blankets and everything, you know. What else? I mean, that's what she was known for, right? So, so what happens is Peter's down at Joppa, and he ends up staying there for a little while, for some time, actually. So when Cornelius... Now, I love the providence of God, where God puts people. So Cornelius is over here, and he's up in Caesarea. He's up on, up on the shore, up on the coast, on the north there a little bit. He's up there, he's praying. God says to, 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 to Cornelius, send some men down to Joppa. You'll find Peter there at the house of Simon, because after he healed, he didn't say this, but after he healed Tabitha, he ended up just staying there at Joppa. And God tells these guys, go down to Joppa, get Peter. So they come down to Joppa. They find Peter. He's in the house of Simon. He's up on the roof, like I said. Supper's being fixed. He's up on the roof. He's praying. And while he's praying, the Bible says that he fell into a trance. And God gave him a vision 
while he was praying. Now listen to verses 9 through 16. Let's see what happens here. Uh, chapter 10, look at verse 9. And on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So it's noontime. All right, if you want to know what time the Jews ate their dinner, yes, I didn't say lunch, I said dinner. When they ate their dinner, it was noon, okay? And he he became very hungry, and he would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Now, they didn't have time to just go to Taco Bell, okay? It took time to make a dinner, all right? They couldn't just go get takeout. And he saw heaven open, and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners, let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. So it's full of animals, okay? And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, Kill and eat. Peter said, Not so, Lord. Oh no, I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call thou not common. Look at verse 16. This was done thrice. Three times. Don't miss this. We'll look at this later. Three times this thing came down, this sheet full of animals. And the vessel was received up again into heaven. So it came down full of animals. He was told to eat it. Peter said, no, not so, Lord. I don't eat this stuff, and you know that. This is wrong. Why why would you tempt me with this? This isn't right. And he said, no. And God says, Peter, don't call unclean what I've called clean. Now, I I want to note something here real quick. Peter is a born-again believer, Amen. He's a, he's a, he's a child of God. And you know, you see here, there's some holdover from the Jewish life, isn't there? You know, we all come into Christ with some holdovers, don't we? We do. We come into things, into our Christian life that are, may not be biblical, that God through time works out in us and tries to work, work away from us. So that they, I mean, this, this happens. This isn't out of the ordinary, anything like that. But, but Peter, uh, comes here and, and, and he has some holdovers and well. Can I tell you, this makes total sense in Peter's life when he said, not so, Lord. You know, you know, Peter, rise up and eat. Oh, no, Lord. I'm not. Does that sound familiar in Peter's life? Remember Jesus told Peter, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be given up to, and they're going to crucify me. And Peter says, no, no, you're not. Over my dead body, Jesus, you, I won't let it happen. Remember what Jesus said? He turned around and he said, he said, he, he said get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things of God. Ooh. Peter corrected Jesus, didn't he? Remember the other time when when uh, when uh, the, the the soldiers came to to the garden to get Jesus, and and uh, the high servant of uh, the, the the servant of the high priest uh, chopped off. You know, Peter went and drew his sword out, and chopped his ear off, and, and yeah, and Peter. Or think about this: Jesus picked it up, plopped it back on the side of his head. You'd think they would have thought about that one, wouldn't you? The guy just had his ear whacked off and all of a sudden Jesus says, Peter, put your sheath, put the sword up into your sheath and put it away and here's your ear. Yeah. I don't know. I probably just would have walked home after that one, right? Yeah. No, no, Jesus, again, Peter had to have been put back because he didn't have, he didn't have the right, uh, uh, the right view of what God was trying to do. He, all that he had in his mindset, all of the filter of Peter's life, was his Jewish religion. 
Remember, if you remember, remember even when Jesus said, one of you here is going to deny me. And Peter says, no. He said, Lord, I will die with you. I will never deny you. And Jesus, oh, Peter, I'm going to tell you, buddy, before that rooster sounds off tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. And he did. No, so, so, so here, here, here he is. He's in a trance. He's a born-again child of God. God has just spoken to him. He's given him a vision here in this dream, in this trance that he's in. It's not even a dream. It's a trance. He's given him a vision here. And God says, rise up, kill and eat. And Peter says, no, Lord. Nope, not doing it. Nothing new. A little bit of holdover in Peter's life. But God corrects him again. Peter, what I've called clean, don't you call unclean. Don't you do it. Look at verse 15, would you again? And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call thou not. Call not thou common. Why is God doing this? Why? I'm going to make you think. If you're just a, a, a surface reader, I want you to think a little bit. Why, why would God do this in Peter's life? What was the purpose of all of this? I mean, he's dealing with the law, isn't he? The law of, of, of the food, their dietary law, right? No, listen, the purpose of the law was multifaceted. But, but, but don't, don't miss this. The law was not their salvation. Do not miss this. The law was not their, their salvation. Their faith and trust in God was evidenced by their obedience to the law, but their, their faith and trust in God was their salvation. Listen, no, salvation has never changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It has always been faith and trust in, in the voice of God. It's always been faith and trust in, in God and what He has said and who He is. No, I know what some have said out there. I, 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 listen, I, I, I am thankful for, uh, for some people stand on the Bible. But listen, salvation, Ruckman says salvation changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. No, it didn't. It has always been the same. It has always been the same. So why the dietary law? Well, number one, it just kept them healthy. <laughs> no, they're going through the wilderness. Could you imagine if they got a bad piece of pork out in the wilderness? They're dead. They're dead. I wish they had figured this out the last time I was in Israel. I would have enjoyed some bacon. Nope. Couldn't find it anywhere. I'm see. Can you tell? I mention this all the time. I'm bitter about it. Very bitter. And I'm going to go back again, Lord willing, here soon. If you want to go back to Israel, January, next January we're going. There's a sheet out there. You've got to sign up. It's a blessing. You've got to go. But yeah, it was dietary laws. Not only that, God wanted His people healthy and clean. He wanted us, hey, He wants us different than the world. Yeah, do you like your kids unhealthy? Do you like your kids scrounging around in the, in the gutter for food? And you go, yep, that's, that's my kids. I'm sure proud of them. Yep, they sure are. Yeah, I know they're malnourished and we don't take care of them. God does, come on. Part of the dietary laws is separation. God wanted His people, His children, different than the world. You know what else was a part of the law? Was the complexity of it. No, we, we, we were just finishing up in Exodus. Uh, remember that last Sunday night? And, and just all of that was involved in, 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 the, uh, in, in the sacrifices? 
the right animal at the right time, and this blood was done this way, and the flesh was done this, and this. I mean, the complexity of the law. You know what? I think God meant it to be that way. It was overwhelming at times. Could you imagine trying to keep up with all of that? And then if it wasn't right, you died when you went in as the priest? You know, that, there's, there's a lot of weight on you, isn't it? You know what else it did? It proves man's inability to live it perfectly. It was not possible. Do you remember when that rich young ruler came to Jesus? He said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, from my childhood up, I've kept the commandments. And Jesus says, well, go and sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. And he went away with sorrowful. Why? Because the Bible said he had a lot of stuff. Do you realize what part of the law Jesus just nailed him with that he wasn't keeping? He was covetous. He said, oh, I've kept all the law. Okay, fine. Covetous liar, go sell everything you have and follow me. <laughs> no, no, you see, the, the, it proved, the, the law proved our inability to live it. It was not possible. And you know what else is? I believe the, the law was also just an avenue, an avenue of faith and trust. I believe God. Uh, you know, I believe what He says. I believe who He is. My faith and trust is in Him. And God says, okay, we'll do this, 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 and that. Okay, fine, I believe you. I trust you, I'll do it. Right? No, it wasn't works. It was out of trust and faith. But ultimately, ultimately, the law pointed to Jesus Christ, the only one who could keep the law. That's what it pointed to. No, praise God. Jesus has come. Has He not? He, uh, yes, He has. He has come. Jesus, His atoning blood has been shed. And can I tell you this this morning? I want to I want to get on. I'll, I'll just wipe off another little spot here. I already got on Ruckman. I'll get on somebody else. Listen, His blood was enough. It was enough. Without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. And can I tell you, I never thought I would deal with this among self-professed independent Baptists. But listen, I, I've, I've dealt with this with Pentecostals, with the Word of Faith movement, with all of this garbage out there. Listen, Jesus did not go and burn in hell to pay for sins. That's blasphemy and it's wicked. His blood was enough. His blood was enough. And on top of that, if Jesus did go to hell and pay for sins, has anybody ever heard this? Isn't this crazy? I've heard this out. It's, it's out there. I mean, I used to hear Joyce Meyer talk about it. I used to hear all these Word of Faith people talk about it. Now we've got people called Baptists talking about it. Even if, he, hey, even if, even if his blood wasn't enough, which is, is blasphemous in and of itself, and he went to hell, uh, I think he told the thief on the cross, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Oh, I don't know what happened. Anyway. Maybe. A little, a little Catholic purgatory there, Jesus. <laughs> his blood was enough. Jesus came and he sat, his, his sacrifice, he's come, his blood was enough. He fulfilled the law. And listen, if God wishes to remove from practice some aspect of his law, he can do it. Absolutely he can. This is what he's telling, I, mean, this is, I know this is a lot of info right here, but he's telling Peter, listen, uh, he's telling Peter, Get up and eat. I, what I have called clean, don't call unclean. Amen. Listen, if, if our faith and trust is, is in God, would we not just do what He said? Yeah. Don't worry, we'll see a little bit while later. Well, why, and Peter's going to explain this, what God meant by calling clean unclean and calling the unclean clean. He's going to explain this in a little bit, so just hang tight, we'll get there. I'm going to bring it all together. We've got a lot of info to go through here. And I'll bring it together, Lord willing. So just sit tight. 
So what happens is Peter goes to Cornelius. The servants show up at this house. He's up. He's upstairs. He's up on the roof praying. The servants show up, and while Peter's praying, while the trance is about done, uh, God tells Peter, "Hey, there's some guys downstairs waiting on you. You need to go with them." Okay, you need to go with them. I like this. He says, the, the Holy Spirit tells Peter, go with them. Don't doubt anything. I have sent them. I have sent them. I have sent them. I want you to think about that. I want, I want you to, I don't, don't let that, put that in the back of your head because we're going to get somewhere here eventually. God sent these men to find Peter. And so Peter gets the story from the men from what happened. Look at verse 21 and 22. You can see at the verse end of verse 20, I have sent them. Verse 21, Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one that feareth God, and of a good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into this house and to hear words of thee. So Peter packs up and he goes with them. God's already told him to go. They head up to Caesarea and he gets there. I want you to notice something here. In verse 24, look at this. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, look at this, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. Cornelius was inviting people to church. (laughs) There he was inviting people to hear the preacher. Look at verse 27. And he talked with them, and when he went in and found many, this is Peter now, he found many, that were come together. So Cornelius had a group of people waiting for Peter to come and hear the gospel. He was waiting for it. Now, in verse 28 here, this is I don't want to miss this. This is actually pretty big here. Look at verse 28. And he said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of the of, of another nation. Now notice this. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. You like that? When did God show this to Peter? Do <laughs> you see this? Verse 20, God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. When did he show him that? Remember remember when he was waiting for dinner? Remember that trance he was in? Remember when God was showing him? Listen, you know what you find out here in verse 20? The, the vision wasn't really all about food, was it? It wasn't completely about food. It was about people. It was about people. Do you see this? God hath showed me that I should not call any man, humankind, any man, common or unclean. I want you to know something else here. I love this, how the Bible ties together. Three times, remember the three times that sheet came down, went back up with all that food in it? Three times, down, up, down, up, down, up. Remember that? 
Do you remember when Peter was with Jesus after the resurrection? He'd been out fishing. Jesus was on the shore. He calls him in. He has breakfast ready for him. We're not going to sing Come and Dine, but that's all I can think about right now. And he's got all the bread and fish upon the fire, you know, and they come in and they, they come to eat, right? That Remember that? And Jesus tell, asked Peter three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you remember what he said three times? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Now watch this. Three times that three times that basket of food went down and up. Three times Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Jesus said, Remember, he said, I have sheep you know not of. Right? Do you remember that? Yeah. So why the sheet of food? Why the sheets full of food three times? Why feed my my sheep three times? Why do you do that? Hey, listen, Peter was going to open the door of the Holy Spirit to three groups of people. Three groups of people. The Jews, the half-Jews, and the not-Jews not, not Jews at all. <laughs> Remember this? We looked at them. Pentecost was that first door open to the Jews. Samaria was that second door open. And here we are in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius, a Gentile. The third door opened to the Gentiles. Feed my sheep, Jews. Feed my, feed my lambs, not so much Jews. Feed my sheep, not Jews at all. Rise and eat, Peter. Kill and eat. No, Lord, I won't do that. Don't call unclean what I've called clean. You see what he's doing here? Yeah. Cornelius, the Jews were clean. The half-Jews are half-clean, maybe. Gentiles are not clean at all. Watch this. Watch what God is telling Peter here. Don't miss this. There is no one who does not need the gospel, and there is no one who should not get the gospel. You follow that? The gospel go. It's what we started with in the beginning. The gospel is out to everybody. It kind of it kind of reminds me of this verse. Does this one sound familiar to you? Maybe see. Hold on. Hold on. Do you remember it? Do you remember it? Uh, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Remember that one. Every creature. Yeah. yeah. No. God has always desired that every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl is reconciled back to God. And here we see here with Peter, the last stand in Peter's life. He's going to the Gentiles. And God says, I've called them clean. Don't call them unclean. Go with these men and preach the gospel. And that he did. That he did. Cornelius is ready to listen. He's ready to obey. Look at verse 33. be done here in a little bit, I hope. Verse 33, Immediately therefore I send unto thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. This is Cornelius speaking. Now therefore are we all present here before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Cornelius wanted to hear the preaching of the word of God. And hey, you want, let's read Peter's message. Look what Peter says here. Look at verse 44. I'm sorry, not verse 44. Verses 34. Verse 34. Peter's going to start with his message. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of the truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say, you know, 
which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick, of, of quick and dead. Uh, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him should have remission of sins. No, they heard the gospel, didn't they? They heard the gospel. You know what happened? They believed what was preached and they were saved. They were saved. Look at verse 44. While Peter spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. It reminds me, Brother Allen's Brother Allen, your, your testimony one time when you came forward to get saved, and I believe you said, I, you, you, you came out of the aisle, you said you believed, I, you got saved before you ever came to the front. What happened? Yeah, he believed. He believed. You know what was coming next? Confession was coming. He believed. Listen, look at this. Peter was preaching, and the Holy Ghost was falling on people. What were they doing? They were believing the Word of God. They believed who Jesus was, and they were, getting, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 45. And of the circumcision, the Jews, which believed, were astonished. They're like, what is going on? This isn't supposed to happen to Gentiles. <laughs> as many as came with Peter. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now notice this. Peter didn't lay hands on them. He just preached and they believed and the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost of God came. He said, verse 46, For they heard them speak with tongues. That's just an old English word for languages. And they magnified God then answered Peter. you got to realize the Italian centurion was there. His servants were there, probably spoke Italian. You had Hebrews there, Jews there. There's all sorts of languages in that room. You know what they did? They understood each other. <laughs> yeah. Look at verse 47. Can any man forbid water that these should, be, should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Yeah, let's go find out. Let's go find us a lake. Let's find a river. Let's find a stream. And we'll baptize these guys. Who, who on earth has the authority to baptize? Well, Peter... He's the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. The church at Jerusalem is doing the baptizing here. In verse 48, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. And I'm sure they needed a little bit of discipleship after they got saved. They wanted Peter to stick around and teach them. You see this? They heard, here's the outline, verse 44 through 48, They heard the Word of God. They believed the Word of God. They received the Holy Ghost. And they followed the Lord in baptism. Just like everybody else who has ever come to God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. The gospel has come to the Gentiles. Yeah. Now the gospel has come to the lineage of the world. Remember those great threes? <laughs> three this, three that, three sheep, three that, yeah. You know the gospel has now successfully come to? The line of Noah. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Who are the Shemites? Israel started there with Jews. Who was who Ham? The Ethiopian eunuch. Who was Japheth? 
Europeans, Cornelius, the Italian. The gospel has come to the world because that was God's desire from the beginning. And it's never changed. So why was God so intent on this event being recorded today? You ever, you ever read your Bible and wonder, and you should ask yourself this question to help you understand what you're reading. Why did God put this here? Of all that He could have recorded, why did He record this? Yeah. I think I have a couple of reasons anyway, a few reasons. First thing I think, the reason why God created or recorded this for us is pretty simple. The world needs the gospel. The world needs the gospel. Isn't that easy? Yeah. The world needs the gospel. First John 2, 2, and He's the propitiation. He is the appeasement for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Yeah. Chew on that, Calvinist. <laughs> but also for the sins of the whole world. Can I tell you this morning, Americans need the gospel? Can I tell you, Mexicans need the gospel. Africans need the gospel. Jews need the gospel. The world needs the gospel. And it is possible for us to get like a Peter and say, Not so, Lord, they're unclean. And God is saying this morning, What I have called clean, don't you dare call unclean. Can I tell you, there are people within our own backyard, in our own country, from different nations that need the gospel, and it is our responsibility to get them the gospel. You say, well, they're here illegally. Uh, Hey, listen, that's fine, and I I am not opposed to our government establishing laws to to live within our nation and those people being exported. They have to live by the law, but the fact of the matter is they are here and they need the gospel, and as long as they're here, we ought to preach the gospel, right? Maybe they'll get saved and they'll go home and the Holy Spirit of God will convict them and they'll go home and they'll bring the gospel home with them. Maybe that'll happen. No, they need the gospel. Don't, don't you, we can't look at a people group and say unclean. We can't look at a certain group of people like Peter did and say, well, no, we're not giving them the gospel. I, listen, I had a Sunday school teacher in high school and, uh, you remember Jim Toro and he said, he, he, he was alive, of course, during Pearl Harbor. And he said, I'm telling you, he goes, I have a trouble with the Japanese. And I, I told, told the Lord, I'd really have trouble if you ever sent me to Japan because of what they did at Pearl Harbor. No, we have that about Muslims too, don't we? After 9-11. But you know what God tells us? Don't call unclean what I've called clean. You know what he's saying to us? The world needs the gospel. Listen, know what he says to us? I deserve the rewards of my suffering. I died for them just like I died for you. And I deserve the rewards of my suffering. What's the point of Acts chapter 10? The world needs the gospel. And many of them are in our backyard right now. God has called us to reach them. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That word ye there, go ye, that is talking to the church. It is the church. So listen, if you're a born-again member of Calvary Baptist Church this morning, the ye is you. That is you. And that is me. We're commanded to go out and to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice this also. I want you to notice this about Cornelius. And this may be you this morning. But just because you know about God and even desire to live a godly life, it doesn't mean you've believed the gospel into salvation. 
Remember 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, that from a, and from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make thee wise unto salvation. And you go along later, and Paul calls Timothy, my son, my own son in the faith. Remember, Timothy was brought up by his mother and his grandmother. He knew, Paul told him, you knew the Bible, you knew the Scriptures because of your mother and your grandmother, but he hadn't got saved until he met Paul and he got the Gospel. Listen, you can know the Word of God. You can know the Scripture. You can enjoy coming to church. You can enjoy preaching. You can enjoy... There's, hey, I, I'm fine with it. That's possible. And you put all of your trust in that, and you've never put your trust in, the, in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. No, that's it. This was Cornelius. No, God saw it. God brought him the Gospel. He hadn't had the Gospel yet. He was doing what he could and what he had. It could be you that that could be you this morning. But here's finally the last thing I notice. There's the major question that we started with. How does a person who's never heard the gospel, how does a person who's never heard of Jesus Christ get saved? Seems like an injustice, doesn't it? You know, one of the biggest indictment is, one of the bigger indictments are, are those that have never heard and those that have heard the gospel over and over and over. You've been raised in church, you've heard the gospel, and yet you still reject it. I tell you what, hell is not going to be fun, folks. There are some that have never once heard the name of Jesus Christ. And some, maybe even in this very room, have heard Him over and over, and you've still said no. But about our question. About that question, what about those that have never heard? What about those? Let me say it this way. Every man born has the light of creation and conscience. You know there's a God, and you have a conscience that tells you right and wrong. Listen, even criminals turn themselves in. And it's not because of an indwelling, it's not always because of an indwelling spirit of God. It's because they have a conscience. Oh, no, you can, you can train your conscience and sear it. But everyone is born with a conscience. No, it doesn't leave you like a saved child of God. It leaves you dirty inside when you sin. You just, it's, it's, it's more than just, just knowing right and wrong. When you're saved, it's like something inside of you is, is, is you're at battle with and they're saying, you need to get that right. You know, I mean, that's the difference. But an unsaved person, yeah, they know right and wrong. And they can say that was wrong. They have that creation. They have that light of creation. They have that light of their conscience in them. For uh, John 1 and verse, verse 9, Jesus is that light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Everybody born knows there's a God. They know that. Now watch this, please. Watch this. When, any, when anybody across the planet responds to the light that they do have, God obligates Himself to get them the gospel. Well, well they, they never heard the gospel. No, they've never responded to the light that they do have. And can I remind you, God will not cast His pearl before swine. God does not go out and, and uh, you know, chase those down that don't want Him. I remember a certain preacher talked about going to Africa. Uh, you know, I wouldn't endorse who, 
all, all of this man's ministry, but he talked about when he spent 10 years in Africa. And he said, I went there and I thought I, I was going to Africa to improve on the justice of God. He goes, I didn't say that, that's, but that's essentially what I thought. That I was helping God, I was helping God out. And I got to Africa and he said, I, I got there and I got, I was quite angry with God. I was mad with God because I realized that these Africans had a greater knowledge of God than I ever imagined. And I realized that they just didn't want them. He said this, this phrase, he said, he said they were monsters of iniquity that loved their sin and they didn't want God. Oh, they had a light of God. They knew there was a God. They didn't want Him. But there are those out there who know there's a God. And they begin responding to the light that they do have. And I'll tell you, God will move heaven and earth to get the gospel to them. Absolutely. Do you know what Cornelius believed? What he had learned. Cornelius was desiring God. And then God, so then God called Peter to give him the gospel. He had to work a couple things out of Peter because he wouldn't have got him there. He had to say, no, don't you call unclean, but I've called clean, Peter. He prepared him. And God brought Peter directly to Cornelius to give a man the gospel that was searching and responding to the light that he did have. Kind of like Paul with the Macedonian call, wasn't it? Don't worry, God will move who He needs to. And listen, listen. There, there, we have missionary stories that have littered the landscape of those that have gone into foreign fields, only to find people who have been praying to the God that they knew was real, but had never had the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So the world needs the gospel. Not everybody living godly is saved. They may be responding to the light they have or they may just be rejecting. But if you are responding to the light, listen, God will move His children to get the gospel to every one of them. Absolutely. You believe that? Amen. You know, I think if God can speak the worlds into existence, do you not believe He can take one of His children put them in contact with the one who's responding to the light of God that they do have. doesn't happen all the time, but there are times I can look at my life when I intersect with somebody's an unbeliever's life and know that God ordered this. God ordered this. So let's put a little application in a few minutes here and we're done. Are you a Peter this morning that needs to be reminded that God desires the world to be saved? Everyone. Everyone. Your likes and dislikes. Illegal and legal. <laughs> Instead of clean and unclean, maybe we can say that. Legal and illegal. That, that applies in America, doesn't it? That's the big big thing we're talking about lately. Yeah. Terrorist and non-terrorist. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Atheist and God believer. Oh, I believe there's a God, and some say, No, there's not. No, they all need the gospel. What are you doing to get them the gospel? We have tracks, I'm thankful. Those tracks, they go pretty well. What a blessing. You're going to have to order some more. I've got, oh, I've got more. I've got new ones. Forgot to get, I forgot to put them out. I've got some new ones. They're very nice. I'll, I'll 
put them out this afternoon. But we have tracks. No, no, maybe you can just do what Cornelius did and just invite people to church. You ever think of that? That's a great one, right? Cornelius didn't know what, what he was going to say. He didn't have anything to... He says that, hey, there, there's, 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 there's a guy coming. I've been, I've been serving this God and this angel came to me, tells me to go get this guy. You got to come listen to him, right? Yeah. Just invite people. He said, I don't know what to say to anybody. And say this. Hey, you want to come to church Sunday? We have this pastor. He kind of looks like the mix between Opie, coming, Opie and uh, and uh, Ralph Mouth, and he's kind of annoying. And you'll enjoy it. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just invite him to church. It's so easy. Yeah. No, give to missions. I'm going to tell you. We need to give to missions, folks. Some of you, I'm, I know, I see the numbers out there. You're faithful to missions. Praise God. Some of you need to get on board and give to missions. Yeah. You just need to trust God. Well, I believe the world needs to get saved. Put your money where your mouth is. Well, I can't go to Africa, but a dollar can. <laughs> yeah. Give to missions. No, study the Word of God so you can be used when, when God crosses your path with somebody. What are you doing about the gospel? Number two, are you a Cornelius who desires to walk with God? You might even be living a godly life, but you've never repented and believed the gospel. Could that be you today? You've come to church, you've memorized the Bible, you've, you might pray and could very well enjoy the things of God. I heard a lady one time said, said I, I, just lo- I love the things of God, I just didn't know them yet. No, I get that totally. Absolutely. So I thought everybody who didn't know God hated them. That's not true. (laughs) Obviously, look what Cornelius was doing. No, if, 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 you, if, you, if you've never come to the place of turning from yourself and putting your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ... You've never been born again of the Spirit of God. You've never been saved. You may be, maybe you're trusting a prayer. Or you're trusting your church attendance. Maybe you've trusted your godly life. Hey, Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us, right? Our faith and our trust is in a person. Salvation is not a thing. It is a person. It is Jesus Christ. Have you met Him? And I'm telling you, when you meet Jesus, you'll know it. I worry about people that say, oh, I don't know, I did this and I did that, but I, you tell me so, somebody as big as the God of the universe moved into your life and you didn't know it? Yeah. I know not everybody responds emotionally the same way. It's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you, you know when God moves in. Absolutely. You may be living a good life. You may be trying to please God, but the nagging never goes away that something is wrong. There's something wrong. Yeah. You've had a life of religion, maybe. You've never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can be saved today. You can come today and believe the gospel. What are you doing for the gospel? What are you doing for the gospel? Are you saved? Possible you might be like a Cornelius. You've never trusted Christ. You can be saved today. Absolutely. Father, 
We need to stop here today. God, I want to thank you. for the clarity of your 